to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Now, let me just uh, give us just a bit of a tutorial about why I teach the way I do. Okay? Let me give you a bit of a tutorial. (laughs) Okay, let me give you a bit of a tutorial. (laughs) Kids these days are for my accents. Yeah. So a bit of a tutorial about why I teach the way I do. Now for those who perhaps you are new here or this is one of your first times here, you may wonder, like, are we being trained to be pastors? Like, because some of the stuff we we'll go into is very deep. Yes, we do encourage and all that stuff, but for me, the aim of the service is not by the time you're leaving, all you've heard is you go far. We've got several other aims and objectives. Like, I want to show you how, how far you go and how, how, how to get there. I hope you're getting my point. Now, Primarily, the role of a pastor is to teach. That means the glory of a pastor is in how much their members know and practice. Jeremiah 3.15, from the just want us to see this. So Jeremiah 3.15 Knowledge and understanding As now Go for a church Because what God promised Is not necessarily Churches where you find everyone is perfect Or churches where everything will go well Or churches where no one will ever talk about you That's not necessarily what he promised Because even among the twelve disciples After Jesus resurrected Actually there were eleven left There was a rumor I don't know if you've ever read. Do you remember when Jesus told Peter, uh, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know, I, you know all things. And he says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Uh, tend my sheep. Do you love me? Uh, feed my lamb. Afterwards, Jesus told Peter the kind of death he would have. He said, when you are young, you went wherever you wanted. But when you are older, you'll be girded to that place. If you find a pastor who can genuinely teach you the word, and that pastor meets under a tree, go make that tree your home. That's what I tell them. Because primarily, 
for me, my glory is to see you know the word and to know it in depth. Because everyone here should be equipped for the work of ministry. That's primarily the role. Let me show you another scripture that just highlights that. Um, Take me to Ephesians 1. And then give me verse 16. And we'll read all the way up to somewhere 20. I've not yet started, by the way. I'm just giving you a bit of, just reminding you why I teach the way I do. Somebody say glory. glory. So now, if someone was to meet somebody I'm discipling, evident by what they know, how they practice it, that for me should be the most should be the biggest evidence that that person is disciples by Apostle Frederick. Sometimes people try to copy all sorts of things. They'll try to copy your dress code. They'll try to copy your hairstyle. They'll try to copy all that stuff. None of that stuff matters. What really matters is are you gaining the knowledge you're supposed to gain? Now, Paul makes an apostolic prayer over the church in Ephesus. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Uh That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. As in, when I read this verse, the way I feel like going in Greek. (laughs) Don't you you think this, this, this scripture has got like a lot of Greekness in it? Like the spirit of Sophia <laughs> and the big gnosis. <laughs> no, is that Sophia and Apocalypse, right? In the epignosis of him. Let's go on. Next verse. <laughs> All those are meanings. Now it says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, then what's the whole purpose? That you may be able to know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants you to know And he wants you to know it in its depth. He wants you to know the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Next verse. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he exerted in our Lord Jesus when he raised him from the dead. And we've read that. It's a memory verse now, right? Let's continue. Another scripture I'll give you for today. 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4. You'd be amazed that for a number of people, their moment of deliverance, their moment of transformation, their moment of change, their moment of breakthrough comes as the word is being taught. But sometimes that's the easiest time to miss it. The Bible says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So God just doesn't desire people to be saved. He wants them to come to a certain level of knowledge. To the knowledge of truth. I can give you scripture after scripture. You read in John 15, you are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. You read in Acts chapter 10, it says, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were hearing. He didn't fall on those who were not hearing. He didn't fall on those who were outside doing nothing. He fell on those who were hearing. So be sensitive as the word is being spoken. And you know, when the word is being spoken, here's how the word of God works. Give me Hebrews chapter number 4. 
And I want you to see verse 12. We've not yet gone into today's sermon. And I want you to see it. We'll use the NKJV, then we'll use the Amplified. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's why you'll notice that when you're exposed to the word, you can be able to tell, this is me, this is God. In case you've always wanted to know, how do I know if it's God speaking or if it's coming from me? The word of God can, the word of God can perform an operation. You can tell, this is soul, this is spirit. And then what else? And of joints and marrow. It doesn't just end on soul and spirit. As you're listening to me right now, the word of God can perform an operation on your body. It's sharp. It's able to do that. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Give me the amplified. The word of God in its, in, in himself. The word of God has, as the word of God is being ministered. Now, in this case, I'm not even speaking about Jesus the word, right? I'm speaking about the word of God which has been ministered to you. The word of God has got power to discern. That's the way the word of God is. He has power to discern. Don't know, I, I can't call the word of God it. Now, to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing, sifting, and analyzing, and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. What does it say? And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed and naked, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's why you observe, you may have been struggling with something. Perhaps it has had a hold over you. And then as we are teaching, we speak about it. Do you know what happens in that moment? That thing is exposed. It's rendered defenseless. And you find that becomes your moment. That becomes your moment. And I don't know if you've observed, but as the word of God is being taught, pay attention even to the examples. Pay attention even to the jokes. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. I received a very um, interesting testimony. I was blessed when I read it. Someone told me they kept being invited to COL. And they were having a challenge with a particular way of living. And as I was preaching, I was not preaching on that topic. I was preaching on something completely different. And while preaching, I stopped, digressed, went to that particular thing as an example. And I said, stop doing that. That was their moment of transformation. Now, that means, now at that point, was I being intentional? Did I hear God say, oh, say this because of this? No, no, no. As the word of God is moving, the word of God discerns the hearts. So it's discerning the thoughts, discerning the direction. And that's why the word of God is of absolute importance. A ministry of the word is of absolute importance. We need a whole series to discuss it. As a matter of fact, if you had to go back to the podcast channel and check the year 2020, I think we had a midweek service, midweek service series 
during the lockdown period, I don't know if you remember, we had a midweek service series on studying the word, how to experience the ministry of the word, what, what the word of God really does in a person. Let's go to today's word. Now today, now we've been talking about altars. We've been talking about the spiritual realm, and then we say talking about altars. And we define the realm of the spirit as the realm where the spirit is. You know, this week I've had so many questions to answer. So I had to learn how to find my answers to keep myself awake. (laughs) So when people type questions like, Pastor, how do we build a relationship? What was the answer? You go buy cement. (laughs) I was asked, what's my view? I was like, what's your view of a long-distance relationship? said, I needed binoculars to view (laughs) it. Don't worry, I still answered them eventually. There's only one question I failed to answer. I don't know who asked that question. May the Lord bless you. But somebody asked, Pastor, what's the difference between true love and real love? (laughs) And I'm told someone answered in the chat, ask Ramsey Noah. (laughs) Okay, Jay. That one threw me a bit. (laughs) I'm still praying about it. (laughs) So we're dealing with the spiritual realm. And essentially, this is the realm in which spirits function, really. It's it's a spiritual world. And when you study the scriptures, you'll notice that we ask... Have you ever read the scripture that says it's, it's in Ephesians 2? that we are seated in heavenly places. It doesn't say we will be seated in heavenly places. It doesn't say we will one day sit in heavenly places. It says we are seated in heavenly places. So meaning, as it stands right now, you may be viewing me here, but there's somewhere else I'm also being viewed. I don't know if you've ever read the portion of scripture in which the sons of Sceva were trying to cast out a demon. They would cast out demons. I think it was their practice. And uh, they met a demon which was not very educated. So that demon decided to answer. They were about to leave. Then he was like, wait. Jesus we know. And then in the spiritual realm, they also knew Paul. They knew Paul in the spiritual realm. And then they asked, who are you? Meaning those guys were not registered in the spiritual realm. They were novices. And the Bible says they were given a beating as in they were beaten. Praise God. So, spiritual realm is interesting. Then we looked at altars. We looked at how ideally altars were built as tangible places where one could experience or could interact with the spiritual realm. And it depended on who or what the altar was dedicated to. But then there were also altars that were dedicated to God And I think last week we even looked at Elijah repairing the altar and all that stuff. So today I want us to look at a topic I will call the altars of God. Initially I had entitled it the two altars of God. But as I kept studying, I decided to just title it the altars of God. 
Now, by the altars of God, I'm referring to the altars that God instructed should be built. Most of the ones we looked at last time were, oh, Abraham experienced this, then he built an altar. Jacob experienced this, then he built an altar. But then when God decided to call a nation called Israel, he gave them specific instructions, and one of the instructions had to do with altars. Okay? I don't know if you remember that the Israelites had to build a tabernacle. Okay, let's, let, let, let's start from somewhere. Let's start from somewhere. How many of you have heard of the word in the scriptures, tabernacle? Raise your hand. Tabernacle. Okay. How many of you have been present when I've taught, I've labored every year? It doesn't miss. How many of you have been present when I've labored to teach about the tabernacle? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, when we talk about the tabernacle, you are a bit behind? Raise your hand. Okay, wonderful. How many of you did not raise your hand in any category? (laughs) But just for the sake of it, raise your hand. Okay. So now let's start from the aspect of the tabernacle. Now, you understand the tabernacle better if you understand, if you've read the book, I will be their God. I don't really touch on the tabernacle, but I touch on the reason behind it. God wanted to have an opportunity to interact with the Israelites. He wanted an opportunity for them to be able to hear him for them to be able to meet him, for them to have a place where they could meet with him and a place where the physical could interact with the spiritual. So he told them to build a tabernacle. Now, a tabernacle in essence is... A tabernacle in essence is like a tent. Okay? It's... The difference between a tabernacle and a temple is simply, apart from the fact that there were some differences in structure and the like, the biggest difference was that the tabernacle was mobile and then the temple was stationed. Why? Because the Israelites were still on the move. So they had a tabernacle. Okay? And then the tabernacle had different parts and when we were to study it, if you are to study the tabernacle, you can find... The biggest person you'll find, of course, is the Lord Jesus. To properly understand the tabernacle, you also have to understand the concept of shadows and types. To understand the concept of shadows and types, you must understand that the Old Testament, as one person puts it, is the New Testament concealed. And then the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In the, in the sense that there are certain aspects of the Old Testament you will never understand until you read the New. Why? Because even Paul wrote saying this mystery was hidden through the ages. So there are some things that were still mysterious. And then the depth of the New Testament will never be understood without reading the Old. Wonderful. Now, just to show you an aspect of shadows and types, because I really want us to start from somewhere, look at Colossians chapter 1. Fifteen, So 16 to 18. So it says, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Then he explains why this shouldn't be the case. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. 
So that means that essentially to understand many of the aspects of the Old Testament, you have to realize that primarily, majority of them were pointing to the substance, and the substance is Christ. So God told Moses that there was going to be a tabernacle that was going to be built. And the tabernacle had some specific things. Let me have the image of the tabernacle. If we'll have to kill the lights, we're free. Now, this is not a teaching on the tabernacle, but I actually wrote a dear mentee last year on the tabernacle where I explained it. Uh, do I still have that projector thing just for purposes of its light? If, if it's nearby, it can be brought to me. If it's not, it's okay. So there is a dear mentee I, I wrote on the tabernacle where I explained part by part by part by part by part. So if you guys want, it can be reposted in the groups. So this is the tabernacle, just a brief idea of the tabernacle. I can show you several other photos, but I I like this one. Now, the tabernacle would start with a gate. The gate had four colors, and if you had to study them, they were all symbolic of the Lord Jesus, and I've taught that. So you can, they're symbolic of the Lord Jesus, they're symbolic of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're symbolic of, um, you can see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by the colors. You can also see the four heads in Revelations. Remember the the, one of the four living creatures which had four heads. That one, your favorite. That's, you can see the symbolism. <laughs> so there was a gate. And the gate was called the way. The gate was called what? The That's the name for the gate, the way. Then when you enter the gate, the first thing you find is the altar of burnt offering, or it can be called the brazen altar. Now, that's the altar where they would slaughter the sacrifice. That's the altar where they would slaughter the sacrifice. And that's one of the altars we'll look at. And then afterwards, you'd find the lava. That's like a basin. That's why there would be water. And they would do whatever they needed to do in terms of purification using water. So you've got the gates. And this is on the outer court, by the way. This is outside. I will enter his with. I will enter. That's where it's coming from. Okay. Pass the gates of praise into your sanctuary. You are standing face to face. Okay, let's continue. So that's the first part, right? Let's go to the second. The, the second part is this one, the holy place. And we can call it the inner courts. Okay? The next thing you find is the door. Can somebody guess what the door is called? The door is called the truth. The door is called the truth. Okay? Uh, so the door is called the truth. And then when you enter, there's the table of showbread. Uh, the part I'm focusing on. Then there's another altar, which is the altar of incense. Okay? 
And then there was a curtain. There was a curtain. A very thick curtain. It would take 300 men on one side and 300 men on the other side. And that curtain was called the veil. And guess the name that was given to that part? The life. So the gate is the way. The door is the truth. The veil is the life. And then when you pass through the way, the truth, and the life, you'll find the Ark of the Covenant, which is where (laughs) there were cherubims, statue of cherubims, and then you'll find what is called the mercy seat. And that's where God's presence would be. So no one can get to the Father except through me. So we had to, he, had, he had to die. Now you understand why if you study in the scriptures, when Jesus died, one of the events that happened is that the veil was torn. The veil was torn. Praise God. Now, if you are not the high priest, this area, forget about it. How do you say these days? <laughs> Whatever you guys say. <laughs> if you are not the high priest, this area, just forget. And for the same high priest, only once a year. That's to make atonement. And if you are not priestly in nature, these areas, forget about it. Your life is this side. To bring your sacrifice. Have you ever heard the scripture that says, bind the sacrifice to the altar? Why did it say that? Because some animals don't want to be sacrificed. You have to tie them. Even today, there's an animal called money. It doesn't like being sacrificed. I never had to bind it to the envelope. <laughs> anyway, come here. Somebody say glory. glory. Now, ideally, these are the two consistent altars. The altar of burnt offering and the altar of incense. And when you understand them, you understand Christ and you understand your role as a priest. Praise God. Let's continue. Why would you want to miss church? Like by the time you go home, you'll be telling them, you know, there is the altar of sacrifice. (laughs) Okay, so let's explain them a little. And if the leadership talks to me nicely, maybe we'll write some notes on this one. (laughs) If they talk to me nicely, maybe I'll give my notes. Because I've written them very well. I'll be honest with you, these I wrote them well because um, the branches are learning this as well. Exodus 27 verse 1. That's where you find it, okay? You shall make an altar of acacia wood. This altar was made of wood. Five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits. Now, the purpose of that altar 
was to offer bloody sacrifices. By bloody, B-L-O-O-D-Y. Sacrifices of blood. Whether it was goats, whether it was sheep, whether it was cows, that's where they would be sacrificed. That was the purpose of that altar. And it was the only place that the Israelites could go to to atone for their sins. You can read Leviticus 1 to understand that. So what would happen is the offering would be tied to the horns of the altar with a rope. And then, um, once, like, in my example for now, preferably male. Anyone male? I hope you know you're active in this case. Yes. Okay. So, here I am. I've carried my sacrifice. <laughs> and then you would tie it with a rope. And then what would happen is me who sacrificed I had to lay hands and say, take it! Now, what was the animal taking? My sins. I hope you now understand why we're also very deliberate about, I can't, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I can't walk in the streets and a stranger just stops me and says, I want to lay hands on you. I don't do that. So the sacrificer would say, take it! And then, by doing so, his sin was being passed on to the sacrifice. And then, you would have to ensure that the sacrifice was one without blemish. And the priest would then take the sacrifice and slaughter it. Somebody saying. <laughs> and then, that body was then burnt on the altar. And the rising flame would tell the sacrificer that the sacrifice was accepted. And that fire consumed everything that could be consumed. And then because of that fire, the person's sin was not taken away. It was acquitted. So that means if they were owing God five pins, for the sins that they did that year. They were now owing him zero. Not, I've not said the sins were taken away. They were acquitted. There's a difference. Let me put it like this. Perhaps let me put it in a better way. The sinful nature was not taken away. But the sins the person did were taken out of the way. Let's put it like that. Oh, it's not friends these days. Can you imagine? Someone sent me a video yesterday. You can take a seat. At when the pastor cracks a joke and then afterwards remembers he's being serious. And <laughs> he's well. Now, in a few seconds, let's not spoon feed. Explain to your neighbor. You take turns, uh, 40 seconds each. How does that point to Jesus? Explain to your neighbor how that points to Jesus. Because the substance is Christ. One, two, three, go. 
You take turns. So neighbor number one. Uh-huh. The other neighbor, the other neighbor, you have won it from me. Death could not hold you down. saw Jesus, what did he say? That's what John said. (laughs) In John chapter 1, should be verse 29-30, what did John say when he saw Jesus? He said, no, no, that's not what he said. He said, now behold the Lamb. The precious Lamb of God. <laughs> Not. <laughs> hey, that's why I imagine it. I didn't. I didn't imagine it. I just came and stood. When I always didn't do right, I went left. He told me to go right. Okay, guys, it is wrong. <laughs> What's wrong with you sometimes? <laughs> So, John sees Jesus and says, now behold, oh my goodness, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. Now, for this sacrifice, for him, because he's of a higher priesthood than the Levitical one, there's something else he did. Then, I want you to notice a few things. Let's see from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look from verse 10. Perhaps up to verse 14, somewhere there. And now remember, this is like a whole study. You would have to go through chapter after chapter. But I want you to be putting one plus two together based on the sermons we've taught you before. So Hebrews number nine. Let's go there. And Okay, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. (laughs) Not made with hands, 
That is not of this creation. Let's go on. Not with the blood of goats and cows, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Let's continue. Let's continue. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In case somebody is listening to me and they're saying, Pastor, look, um, I, I would like live a certain way, but you don't know how much pornography has entered my mind. I expose myself a little too much to this, too much to this, too much to that, too much to that. Now what the Bible is saying is this, if the blood of goats and bulls could cleanse a person momentarily, how much more the blood of Christ? Notice, it says how much more the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience. Even your conscience can be cleansed. God can restore your innocence. Let's go on. Verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Now, like I said, I don't want us to just look at the Bible and not understand these words. Now, when he's talking about him being the mediator, here's what it means. Ideally, when they would go, to sacrifice. Remember, an altar needs a priest and it needs a sacrifice. So the priest was the go-between. The priest was the go-between. Without the priest, you're not getting your sins forgiven. So if the priest is not in the mood that day, <laughs> there's a challenge. Now, I would really like us to understand this. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say a person comes to me and they explain a few things. What they need me for is not for their forgiveness. Their forgiveness has nothing to do with me. I may be necessary for correction. I may be helpful for rebuke. I may be helpful for deliverance or any of those things. But the mediator of that new covenant is the Lord Jesus. Is the Lord Jesus. He's the go-between. He's the one who entered himself and sacrificed on your behalf. Now we'll see a few more things shortly. I want you to look at Hebrews 13. Now, we showed you where the altar of, where the altar, where the burnt offerings will be given was. Where was it? Remember, there's the outer court, inner court, holy of holies. Where was the altar of burnt offerings? outer court, right? So it was outside. Let's look at this verse. Hebrews 13 and give me verse um, 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Next verse. Therefore, 
Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. That's why when Jesus was crucified, they had to take him outside for that. It was all very deliberate. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's continue. Give me back the photo of the altar. And then the full one. So we've saved. We've got the altar of burnt offering. That's the first one. And it's pointing to the cross. It's pointing to what Jesus did on the cross because Jesus himself is the Lamb of God. Jesus became that Lamb that we all needed. And then what he did is that Jesus, in in the way that he did things, did not just get our sins forgiven. He did it so that our nature could also be transplanted. Because he is better than a cow. (laughs) And he is better than a goat. So let's go on. Um, We can kill the lights again. I really want us to understand these things. So now we've got, in the holy place, we've got the altar of incense. The altar of incense. I don't know if you know what incense is. It's like smoke, right? But then it's specific smoke. You don't just like get a bird from the sky, you burn it and say it's incense. I I think it's very deliberate smoke. (laughs) Smoke with a smell. Now, (laughs) I want you to understand this. Here's what happened at that altar. Incense had to be burned every morning and every evening on this altar. And it had to be full of burning coals. The coal was gotten from this altar and brought to this altar. The coal was gotten from the altar of burnt offerings and taken to the altar of incense. And every morning and every night, that altar had to be serviced because ideally, the fire was never supposed to go out on the altar of incense. We are going somewhere. Now, you can see that in Leviticus 16 that that altar of incense was gold. It was gold. And what was the of the altar of incense? You find it in Leviticus 16 and verse 13. We are going somewhere. Leviticus 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. Incense would cover the mercy seat that was on the testimony. The smoke was always needed to be there. Now, here's just like a little bit of history. Apparently, in this day and age, they lived with animals very nearby. How many of you have ever lived with animals? Like, like you, you, you come out of the house, there's a cow there. You look to the left, there's a duck you look to the right, there's, there's all that. How many of you have had such an experience before? Now, for them it was much worse. And because of that, animals have got the gift of droppings. They've got the gift of releasing things. 
And most likely than not, they usually don't mind what they release. Unless, of course, you can train them. I don't know if you can train a cow, but or if you can train a pig. So in that day and age, those who were noble men, like kings, they would have incense in their house. And the incense was necessary to take away the pungent smell of animals and have like a more beautiful smell in the room. Like air freshener. <laughs> you, you, you're getting it now, right? So the incense was necessary for that. And it's interesting that God also demanded an incense. He demanded incense. And he wanted it day and night. He wanted it day and night. One time, um, <laughs> there's someone very uh, dear to me that I was meeting. And there was something I was supposed to give him. So he asked that we meet somewhere. He was driving, and I was driving as well. So when I approached him by the car, apart from the fact that I noticed that the car was very nice, the moment the door opened, the incense of the car, <laughs> I could tell I was no longer in my... Like the day, that day I made a decision. <laughs> you know the decision I made? I'll never be broke in my life. <laughs> Have you ever entered an office and you can tell this one is not the office of this side. Like this, the office, there's even a way, there's an atmosphere, there's a way it's supposed to be kept. I don't know if you're getting my point. Or have you ever met somebody who's wearing like perfume that can even pay rentals? Have you ever met someone wearing, wearing something like that? You notice there is there is a testimony about it. I don't know if they're getting my friend. Now, in the same way, God, who's the King of Kings, has always wanted an incense around him. He's always wanted his environment to smell a certain way. Now, before you start choking us every Sunday, <laughs> I know Pastor said so. <laughs> This Sunday is battle of the colons. Now, before you start choking us every Sunday, remember the substance is Christ. Now, incense has got a symbolic meaning. It's got a symbolic meaning. Incense is symbolic of prayer. That's one of the things it's symbolic of. I can show you that incense is symbolic of prayer. Psalm 141. I'll give you another verse later, but for now, Psalm 141. Verse 2. What does the Bible say? Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Clearly, the evening sacrifice, that's not the one on the altar, on the first altar. That's not the one on the first altar. Because the one that was to be serviced day and night was the altar of incense. So that shows you that the symbolism of incense is prayer and 
Worship. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. And I think you can find that in Revelation chapter 8 verse 4. Look at Revelation 8 verse 4. We'll come to that one. No, we'll come to it later. Because we're still pointing to the Lord Jesus for now. Revelation, we'll come to that one later. Look at Romans chapter 8, perhaps. And then let's look at verse 30. Romans chapter 8, let's look at verse 30. How many of you are following the class? How many of you are learning? As I said, there's a chance if the leaders talk to me nicely that (laughs) let's read from verse uh, 33 to 34 33 to 34 it says who shall bring a charge against God's elect it is God who justifies next verse who is he who condemns it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Jesus mentions you in his prayers. The Lord Jesus still keeps that incense going concerning us. Question is, what's his prayer point? Imagine the same Jesus who said it is finished somehow has not finished interceding. The same Jesus who said it is finished. Maybe his prayer point is like that of which he prayed over Peter. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Perhaps that's his prayer point. We don't know. Maybe his prayer point is the one he prayed in John 17. That they may be one. That the glory you have given me (laughs) should give them. We'll come to how it relates to us. but at least I've given you an idea of how it relates to Jesus. Now let's look at another portion of scripture that just now shows how everything that I'm sharing on the two altars. Remember we talked about the altar of burnt offering and the altar of incense. At the altar of burnt offering, what do you put? Bloody sacrifices. At the altar of incense, what happens? The smoke must go to the mercy seat. There must be a pleasing aroma that should go to the mercy seat. Now, where does the Lord Jesus come in in all this? Where does the Lord Jesus come in? Let's look at Hebrews 9. Verse 6. We'll go down, then we'll look at Hebrews 10. Uh, Is somebody sensing that they will actually need to go read the whole book of Hebrews? Now, just maybe before we go to this, for us to perfectly understand this, can we also, can we just have the tabernacle back and um, I just want to show you something. Now remember we've got the outer court, we've got the inner court and then we've got the Holy of Holies, right? Uh, Give me the final one, the Holy of Holies. Once a year, once a year, 
And these are not stories you can find this in the scriptures, especially in the book of Hebrews. And you read Leviticus away as, as well. Once a year, the high priest would enter this part. Now, in this part, they would, they would hear a wind blowing, like, and so they would call that wind the Ruach Hagodesh. Ruach means spirit. Hagodesh means of the holies. So it would be like, there's the spirit of the holies. That's one whom we've now known in the New Testament as the Holy Spirit. If you read it in the Greek, it's like the spirit, the holy. Something like that. I don't know if somebody is following. And as far as they were concerned, you don't miss with the Ruach HaKodesh. <laughs> you don't mess with him. So when Jesus then comes to the New Testament and he's busy, my father, my father, my father, my... <sighs> this guy is calling the one we've been afraid of all our lives his father. I hope you're now seeing why they were offended at him. And then he says, I will send you the spirit of truth <sighs> to be with you forever. Hey? I think it's mm. some spirit of growth, truth who knocked out. Remember that high priest who got knocked out? That one who did, never used to listen. Oh, Uja, I don't know if you're getting my point. And then he's saying that same Holy Spirit was going to come living you. Now, let's continue. Remember, Jesus, hey, if, you are to re, if you are to go back to our teaching on the tabernacle, we even quoted the scripture where it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you read it from the Amplified, it says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. There's a reason it's saying that. So now, in the Holy of Holies, the high priest would go there once a year and it was on the day called the Day of Atonement. And he entered with some incense and some blood to atone both for Israel and himself because he was also a sinner. So he would enter and there's a specific way he had to do it. And a bear would be tied around his leg. Because if he didn't follow things the right way, he would be knocked out. And then there would be like a rope, then they will pull him out. Next high priest wants to try. <laughs> now, I believe that this was now symbolic of the altar of God. The altar of God himself. Praise God. Now, Hebrews 9, let's look from verse 6. I'm telling you, I didn't know where to start because I can start from, I can just like literally start from Hebrews chapter 7 and then we'll go from verse 1, go up to, I don't know, as in we can go far with this one. I would encourage us to do a lot of Bible studies on this. Now, he says, now when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. Now, I, I want us to understand something here in the language that the writer uses, whom most theologians, including myself, believe was poor. What he's calling the first part is what we were calling the second part. Could I... I don't know if you understand it. The, one, the part that we're calling the first part was outside. 
So he starts counting the first part from inside. And then what we are calling the third part is what he calls the second part. I hope I've not lost you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's... <laughs> you could see my face. <laughs> like I just want them to know, oh God. Now when these things had thus been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. Uh-huh. Next verse. The Holy Spirit indicating... Did we go too fast? Okay. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. Finally, I'm vindicated. Obviously, someone who corner used to think, where does he get this once a year from? <laughs> now it says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Next verse. Meaning, look, the guy who's come with like the cow or whatever offering, he knows what he did. He lays hands on it. But there are those things that he may not have confessed or may not have realized where he had blundered. I mean, there were so many laws to keep. In total, over 600. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way to the holiest of all was not yet manifest while well, the first tabernacle was still standing. Next verse. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscious. That's why, for example, if you came to church and perhaps you believe you can buy your way to righteousness. It, it doesn't work like that. Perhaps someone may feel, okay, look, I know I do this, but maybe to atone for that, as in I will just find a department and I will serve with all my heart as I continue doing this. It doesn't work like that. Because at the end of the day, there is no gift or offering that could atone. And that's what the Spirit of God was indicating. It couldn't make the person perfect in regard to the conscious. Next verse. Concerned only with food and drinks, various washings, fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Next verse. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Are you now seeing the build-up to that verse that we quoted earlier? That's the build-up to it. Next verse. Not with the blood of goats and cows, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He doesn't need to keep being sacrificed again and again and again and again and again. The same blood that spoke in 1902 is the same blood that speaks in 2005. The same blood that spoke in AD 32 is the same blood that still speaks today. He doesn't need to shed any extra blood. He doesn't. He did it once and for all. He doesn't need to perform that again. He did it once and for all. That's why, to be fair, I'll tell you this, that's why sometimes when you read certain things in the scriptures, you'll be shocked. Because one of the easiest things is forgiveness. 
actually you would think it's too easy. Forgiveness is so easy that if a person is not taught a balanced doctrine, they'll just go do whatever they want. No wonder Paul had to write saying, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Because the way Jesus did things is that for every moment a person sins, there is grace that's available. I'm telling you, sometimes as in you would wonder, like, why? Sometimes you'd think you overdid it until maybe you're the one who needs the forgiveness. <laughs> Who's observed that? Until you're the one who needs the forgiveness. That's why there is no lost cause. Anyone who's listening to me right now, you're not a lost cause. If you were a lost cause, God would not have caused you to listen to me today. I'm telling you, I'm saying this even just as a pastor. I've been shocked before. I've been shocked. I've been shocked. Like, have you ever seen a person transform? What? Even you, you're surprised. And then they're telling you, Pastor, your teaching. It's like, which teaching? <laughs> Have you ever seen like a total transformation? I still believe in the God who does that. Praise God. Who can change a person's conscience, change a person's mind, change a person's habits. The God who can destroy, render useless addictions and all that kind of stuff. And as I'm speaking right now, if there's an area that's been a challenge, it's been exposed to the word of God, which is a hammer. <laughs> Praise God. Now let's look at another verse. Let's just see what the Lord Jesus did. Hebrews 10. What shall I render over for he has done for me? Let's look at verse 1, then we'll skip to verse 10. Now remember how I said earlier on that there were shadows and types. Now just to validate that again. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Let's go now to verse uh, 10. Oof. It says, please read earlier as well. Right? By that we have, by that will, maybe study verse 9 or 8. You know what? They can take it. Let's start from verse 7. They will take it. Eh? Hey, let's start from verse 4. Okay, can we just read from verse 1? You are willing, not so. That's, cool. That's why if you notice today when I came to the front, I didn't even go into like a long singing session. I just said, Amen. And then we started. Verse 2. Let's go. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? What? Those are the sacrifices of the first tabernacle, right? For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. If you come to this place, a sinner, leave this place, you still believe you're a sinner. You've not understood the gospel. Then you've not understood it. You've not understood it. Either you've not understood it, 
or you've refused to accept it. If someone came to the front and said, how many sinners are in this house? I wouldn't lift my hand. I'm not. As a matter of, someone would say, Apostle, is that pride? No. It's humility. Let me tell you why I say so. No, I'll, I'll tell you why I say so. I wouldn't dare. How can I put it? The grace of God, and now let me use a figure of speech, is not so small that I can encounter it and remain a sinner. Then what did it do? No, we are all just sinners saved by grace. Then what did grace save? How did grace save you and give you sin? It's like saying we've all drowned but we're saved by the lifeguard. How did we drown if we were saved by the lifeguard? What people try to avoid is self-righteousness, right? But that is where you say, look, me, there's a way I grew up, there are things I know and the like, so because I've not done that and that and that, at least I can say I'm righteous. Then now that's self-righteousness. But it's when, look, there's a certain man, (laughs) when that man died on the cross and said it is finished, and I came to the altar, I exchanged, remember how they would lay hands and give the animal their sin, then they would get the animal's purity. Now for us, what happens is that we gave Jesus our sin, then Jesus didn't carry our sins. That's not true. Jesus became our sins because the lamb would become sin. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made he who had no sin to become sin. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hey, praise God. Let's continue. Next verse. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. It's like me coming and saying, guys, well, at the end of the year, I want everyone to prepare a fat envelope because that envelope, God will, that envelope will speak for you for you to enter heaven. So even as you are, even before you prepare the envelope, think of everything you have done. And the fatness of your envelope should be determined by the magnitude of how much forgiveness you want. Who then would be saved? <laughs> <laughs> so then we even have envelope Sunday <laughs> and then there's the leader of the grapevine I'm yet to meet that person that's the, the informal that's the informal position in this church so the leader of the grapevine will even be analyzing it my envelopes to say Oi, that person there, that one we are seeing smiling, that one came with a fat one. As in the fatness of that envelope, obviously. I, I always used to tell you. <laughs> so, I hope you are getting it now. Next verse. Uh-huh. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Now you said I wasn't just talking. Next verse. Therefore, when he came into the world, He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So the ultimate thing God desired was what? A body. Next verse. Uh Uh-huh. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the books, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So that's the Lord Jesus. He's like, look, okay, fine. Put the lambs, put the cows aside. I'm here. I'm the one you wanted. I'm the one you wanted. I'm the one Abraham talked about. When he was about to kill, when Isaac asked him, saying, uh, Isaac, I realized the situation was getting tense. And, and the father kept telling him, I love you. I love you. No matter what happens, I love you. Then it clicked in Isaac's mind. Then Isaac turned and said, Knife, my owner. He's like, Daddy, where is the sacrifice? Then whether Abraham was making a prophetic excuse, we don't know. But he said, God himself will provide the lamb. So Jesus was like, no wonder, no wonder in the garden of Gethsemane it was hard for him because the ultimate will was that he had to become the lamb. And the whole of Israel was waiting for a Messiah who would come as the king. And yet God was desiring the one who would come as the lamb. (laughs) And he said, fine, I'm here. Angels were on guard, ready to defend him. He said, no, not today, boys. This has to be done. Let's go on. He took the fall. And he's carrying the cross. And he thought, Frederick. You see, when you study certain things, worship becomes richer. Let's go. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, bread offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Verse 9. Then he said, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Aha. By that will, now you understand which will. Him saying, I've come to do your will. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Do you know what to be sanctified is? It's to be made holy. Now, when you realize this, it means the next step for a believer, why the renewing of the mind is important, is because if you walk with a consciousness of sin, you will have challenges. I've come to realize that there are two ways the Spirit of God convicts. He convicts of sin and he convicts of righteousness. Conviction of righteousness is different. One, conviction of righteousness does not end on just dead works. Here's what I mean. Conviction of righteousness will not be, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. That's at a very low level. Because repentance from dead works is at the very lowest level. Eventually it becomes, you know, you know you're too righteous to do this. You know, the, the place that I've placed you at, you're not supposed to do this. There's a consciousness that increases. Let me give you like a personal example. There's this butchery I like in garden. So I usually park somewhere because right next to it is like a bar. So it's very difficult to park there. You have to like use Lusaka driving to enter the road. So I park like before it and then I walk there. Now when I was younger, there's like a, they're like to my pause. So where, how most people pass is they just go enter the thing and they come out. I don't know if you're getting There's like, you know those like fences which are like a pole here and a pole here? So a human being can pass. So that's what we used to do. So one day I come out of the car 
And I start walking, and I was about to pass. Then I remembered. <laughs> Number one, I'm in a suit. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. And I'm slightly known. That's how I just behaved myself and walked. <laughs> and walked through the gate. Because there's a consciousness of who I am. The other time I saw my kids playing football in the streets, guys, I wanted to park. As in that football, that football looked good. It looked like that one. Have you ever gone to the mall and you're admiring the Tamarides? Or admiring jumping with the kids like in the jumping castle? Try, you'll see how all the parents will be afraid. <laughs> Imagine the parents are watching their kids jumping, then this guy just goes, Aah! and then because you're now older than them, you become the one who deflates it. <laughs> You wouldn't want that. Praise God. Because <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there is a consciousness when you start growing in the spirit that grows. And now this one is not a consciousness of sin. It's a consciousness of righteousness. There is a consciousness that grows. And your mind starts, your automatic thought is what is the right thing for me to do? Okay, like it's sort of like you get into this space where it may even happen in, a, in half a second, but you're like, I'm very angry, but what's the right thing for me to do? Okay, I feel like this, but what's the right thing for me to say? Perhaps you say the wrong thing. Have you observed that you don't have to wait until you're even in prayers? You don't have to wait until church on Sunday. Who's noticed that the more you grow, when you say something wrong or do the wrong thing, you feel it immediately. Like, ah. You can even feel off and say, okay, no, that one is wrong. That's wrong. Okay, let's continue. We are still going. Ah, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, next verse. But this man. <laughs> no, 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 that's not the way you celebrate him. Look, what he's saying is every priest tries every day saying the same thing. And the like. And you know there are some people who are still doing that. Sometimes you know how I know a certain consciousness has not hit a certain person. Now I'm not talking about somebody who's here's a person. They got saved in the year 2016. Now between 2013 and 2016, they worked wonders in the world. They practiced the song Mucha Lo As in they practiced it with zeal and passion. <laughs> and then 2016 they got saved. Now, what happened between 2013 and 2016 could even be very unmentionable in nature and could have its own issues. And perhaps some of the worst things that could happen happened in that period of time. And let's take it, they've not even gone back to that way. They've, they've tried their best to practice righteousness because there is inherent righteousness and then there's practical righteousness where you practice what you've inherited. And then 
every day when they go to pray, the first prayer point is, God, I'm sorry about that thing I did in 2013. I'm sorry about it. The next day, God, I'm sorry about that thing I did in 2013. The next day, God, 2013 still haunts me. They come to church, hello, that Sunday, that that Sunday morning, the devil even tells them, you are even going to church after what you did in 2013. And then, they even enter church, and it just so happens to be the Sunday where I say, don't live like A, B, C, D. And I explain the gravity of that 2013 thing. And they go back thinking, God, I'm really sorry about what I did in 2013. What can I do? Okay, when it's time for praise, I will dance a lot. And I'll even sing, Pakutivale Savantemwe, Devashanina, Pakutivale Savantemwe. Wait, did you just hear what those words actually say? So that the Lord can love me, I would. And then, what I'll do, God? Partnership Sunday, I'll outdo everyone because that 2013 thing. <laughs> you know what? Then, 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 you, then perhaps you're still in the first law where the same things have to, be report, have to be repeated consistently. Is that really what God wants for a believer? Let's go back to the verse, verse 11. Now, are, are you following? Are, are you, is it becoming practical? Verse 11, please. And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So now, if you keep making the same prayer over the same 2013 thing, then it's one of two things. Either you're doing it under the first covenant, that's number one, or you doubt God's ability to forgive. Perhaps you think he's forgotten he forgave you yesterday. Perhaps you're questioning his ability and his resolve to forgive. Because it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful. It doesn't say we are, it's because of our faithfulness. It's his faithfulness on the line. Verse 12. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. Like he offered one sacrifice. That was it. He sat. He sat. Wow. Wow. I'm picturing it right now. Here's how I'm picturing it. Here's how I am picturing it. Like like I'm, I'm creating a vision in my head. Okay, here's how I'm picturing it. Ha! No, guys. Uh-uh. Ha! Okay. <laughs> okay, now. Many theologians, including myself, believe. And this one, it's not yet... Um, even if a person doesn't believe it, there are certain things that I'll end on this one. I don't want to do what I did last week. <laughs> you know, last week I had no idea. <laughs> okay. There are many theologians who believe 
that um, as at the time Jesus was meeting Mary he had not yet finished his priestly duties he had not yet finished his priestly duties he had finished dealing with the devil but he hadn't yet finished his priestly duties and I'm one of them And how best can I show this picture? Just give me an idea. Okay. Uh, Let's have three chairs. Three chairs. If there's a possibility of the three having different colors, I would appreciate. Yeah, one white, one white. One white, one red, one black. And then I would like the pulpit this side. Move the pulpit just for a moment. One white, one. The white should be at the end. The white should be at the end. This one should be in the middle. And then the black should come this side. Hmm. When I studied the scriptures, I refused. And one time I posted that and someone texted me saying, Pastor, you don't know what you've just done. I used to lose my breath trying to dance because I really wanted God to love me. This was not like a Sunday. <laughs> okay. Acts will be the Lord Jesus from the Acts ministry. Okay, his hand was first. You can be the Lord Jesus. Okay. You can stand here for now. Just stand here. Who can be the the priest from the law? The priest from the law. Okay. Okay, since those priests were male, it will have to, let me let me choose the male. No, I'll give you a rock. Okay. You'll be Mary. <laughs> so you're the priest from the law, right? Okay. So you stand here. One or two disciples just to be there. So they say, could can be that side? They said one or two. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can stand somewhere there. So, for now, be off the scene. And then the sacrifice. The, 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 the sacrifice, it'll be the first sacrifice. Okay. So now, We'll use Mary. Okay? And Mary has come with her sacrifice to the first priest. So the first priest gets the sacrifice. And then this is the brazen altar. Fire on the sacrifice. And then some blood from the sacrifice, you come in. And then also some incense. And on the Day of Atonement goes the Holy of Holies. At that point, 
Mary's fingers are crossed. Like, who's Mary? Oh, yeah. Mary's fingers are crossed. Like, he's made the priest come back. Like, I hope the priest does it rightly. And the priest manages to do it rightly. And on his way back, once Mary sees the priest, she knows she's good for a year. She's good for Now, these go out of the way. Now, next thing, Mary and a few other disciples. Can I have one or two male disciples as well? One or two male disciples? No, Mary is still the person. Because let's say Mary had done that the previous year. And the next year, Jesus comes. The Lord Jesus comes. Mary is there. He looks at her and says, Okay, I'll take your sin. And then, looks at God and says, Okay, look, I think you're tired of the animals now. I'm here to do your will. Then he comes to this altar and at this altar he's crucified. Then everyone is seeing the slain lamb. But immediately in the spirit, he has some work to do. Now, in the work to do, he deals with principalities and powers. Right? He deals with principalities and powers. But that's a small business. There's some more work. Now, he resurrects. And then, before he can reach here to finish everything off, the disciples are too discouraged. So on the way, on the way, he meets Mary. Mary. And then Mary tries to touch him. Try. Then Jesus, no, no, you refuse to be touched. Mary tried to touch him and just said, no, like, like, I'm not doing this. And then what's the reason he gave? Look at John 20. Then look at verse 17. John 20 verse 17. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my father. (laughs) But to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. He's now no longer just my father. He's my father and your father. Now, there are some who believe that then before he de- appeared to the disciples he did that and that's why Thomas could touch him and there are some who believe <laughs> here's the biggest thing to believe here's what he decided to do he then ascended to the father now previously if the high priest came back then you would know but this time when the Lord Jesus finally ascended delivered the blood bring another white chair <laughs> Delivered the blood. No, actually, this same chair is okay. Because God now entered him in bodily form, according to the scriptures, right? Rather than coming back, he sat. <laughs> now, hold on. One more person. One more person, please. One more person. And then remember the wind that used to blow in the Holy of Holies. 
He had told these guys that wait. The one you thought was a wind is a person. So for him, rather than coming back for now, he sent back the Holy Spirit. And then, you know what happened? One day they were all in the upper room. (laughs) And what happened to them? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what started happening? And that's why you notice that for us now, how we know we are born again is, the Bible says the Spirit of God bears witness. Because the Spirit of God was sent to us. You can take your seats. You can take, you can take, you can take, you can take. Now, by the way, I just had like a picture of that in my mind, so I had to try and see what we could do. Yeah, come in the pulpit. We're almost, we're almost done now. I expect something like that on Easter. At Steam, I'm expecting something. We want to be reminded. Now, let's finish that verse and we're done for today. What I, th- I thought I would go further, but the further I'll teach it next week. Miss at your own risk. Nothing but the blood. Jesus. Except now you sing it in past tense, right? What has made me Hebrews 10, let's read, verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Next verse. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Next verse. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. They will never need another offering that perfects them. That's the same one. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, uh huh, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no more. Uh-huh. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Uh-huh. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, that's next week's. That's where we're heading to next week. I don't know about you, but I think as I've continued doing this study and even sharing it, 
my gratefulness keeps increasing. That's one. Two. Perhaps my I'd want to use the word ability. My consciousness to give people a second chance. Or a third. Or a fourth. Or a nineteenth. What the blood of Jesus did is too big for anyone to even dare attempt to miss heaven. It's too big. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make an appeal to anyone who's in the house right now or who's watching us. And you'd like come to the altar of God and exchange your sin for his righteousness. You want to be born again. Or perhaps you've strayed from the right path and you want to come back. There is no price you can pay for it. That's why it's so simple. Because somebody else already paid for it. The best you can do is appreciate it. And must I add, remember earlier I gave examples of how somebody might be trying to do certain things to appease what happened before. Might I add that when you come to a consciousness of what the Lord Jesus did for you and how you can never outgive him, that's when you even want to be the biggest and you're doing it out of appreciation. Okay. So if there's anyone in that place and you're in this room, or perhaps you are watching. I would like you to raise your hand. If you are watching, there is even a group which you can click. On the link it says, if you want to be saved, click this group. So just raise your hand if you would like to respond to this auto call today. Just raise your hand. I will give us a moment. So for the one that's watching or listening, this is your moment. I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And today I confess you as my Lord. Amen. Just lift your hands, everyone, for a moment. And do you now understand why in the book of Revelation they asked the question they was crying in heaven and their cry was because they said who is worthy to open the scroll they didn't say who is holy they said who is worthy they were asking who is deserving and only one person was deserving And that was the Lord Jesus. Because of what he has done. Just lift your hands and every eye closed. I sense his presence in the house. I would like to request. I would like to request 
unless you are in a physical condition that cannot manage i would like to request for one of three postures either you stand to your feet or you bow to your knees or you prostrate before him i sense his presence thank you lord jesus thank you My God, when I'm in awesome wonder, consider all thy works, thy hand hath made. I see the stars. I hear the roaring thunder Thy path throughout The universe display Then sings my soul My Savior to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God How great thou art, Stephen said. The Bible says Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the Lord Jesus. And when I think that God, His Son, not sparing. Sent him to die. I still can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and. To take away all sin, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou
Christ shall come. When Christ shall come, with shouts of acclamation to take us home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow. Then I shall bow in humble adoration, and there proclaim, my God, how great Thou art! As bright in my days, silence so fierce. I am a king just like you. Thank 
whatever may pass and whatever lies before me I will be singing when the evening comes you're rich in love everybody you're rich in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing a ten thousand reasons for my heart one more time you're rich in love everyone you're rich in love and you're smooth to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing hey ten thousand reasons one more time you're rich in love one last time you're rich in love and you're smooth to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing hey let's go ten thousand reasons Just one prayer point. We're done. Just close your eyes. And I want you to genuinely out of the sincerity of your heart say to the Lord that may there be an alignment. Let there be an agreement with what he has written about you. What he envisions about you. And what you experience. And make a conscious decision that the blood of Jesus will not be in vain over your life. Make a conscious decision. Make a conscious decision 
just bring your heart to alignment bring your heart to agreement bring your heart to agreement bring your heart to agreement in such moments shake off that sickness bring yourself into agreement with the health that Jesus worked for shake off those addictions shake off those habits kill those desires in such moments shake off that poverty Come on, take that minute to pray. Just align yourself. Align yourself. It's in moments like this that decisions are made. It's in moments like this that you take a position. It's in moments like this that life choices are made. It's in moments like this and the power of the Holy Ghost is present to overpower. The power of the Holy Ghost is present to subdue. Ministers, check on anyone who may be in need of help. The power of the Holy Ghost is present. The power of the Holy Ghost is present. The power of the Holy Ghost is present. Yes. In the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with what's been written about me. My body comes into agreement. My mind comes into agreement. I come into agreement. I come into alignment. My blood comes into alignment. My life comes into alignment. My bank account comes into alignment. If my heart is in alignment. Sing that one last time and we're Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise the Lord. Let's have the blessing. You can just lift your hands as I just declare this blessing over you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak this blessing that your eyes are opened. Your eyes are opened to see. Your eyes are exposed to the glories of his beauty. Visions of the Lord Jesus. Visions of rapture. Visions of things to come. The Bible says, Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you did not know. The word of God is open to you. As you read through the scriptures, you get pictures. As you read through the scriptures, you rightly divide the word of truth. The word of God is open to you. The counsel of the Holy Spirit is ever with you. You do not lack counsel. You shall never lack direction. You shall, you always know what to do next. You never lack counsel. In the name of Jesus, I speak over you that you are blessed. You are blessed as you travel. You are blessed in your going in. You are blessed in your going out. You are blessed as you are on the road. Even as we take a stance as a church and speak an end to these accidents. In Jesus name. You are blessed in the air. You are blessed in your home. You are blessed in your body. You are blessed in your mind. You are blessed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That which you put your hands to do is blessed. I declare in the name of Jesus that the works of your hands are blessed. I declare that your academics are blessed. I declare that your finances are blessed. I declare that your heart is blessed. Your emotions are blessed. I declare in the name of Jesus that good news comes to you in abundance. In the name of Jesus. May his... Let's go. The amazing grace. Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. Wow. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord.